Man, this is probably probably I know we're we're just podcast to listen to. <laughs> we are full we are full on nerd raging right now. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the MacGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that politely disagrees to agree. Should we bring that one back? Yes. Should we bring I, that one back? I'm, I'm not going to bother to fix it. No, I also did never liked the other one. Oh, yeah? You went rogue and tried something new. And you know what? You, you tried something new. That's nice. Uh, but wasn't for me. Uh, yes. Ma- the my obscure that... uh, Maltese Falcon reference. Nobody got it. It was barely sh- a reference. <laughs> you are Keith Foster from San Diego, California. You are Cassidy Robinson from Las Vegas, Nevada. Yes. Do people care where we're from? I'm thinking the new year, new us. Let's change things up. Let's just keep it simple. It's the MacGuffin Podcast with Keith and Cassidy. I'm Keith. Uh, you're Cassidy. Right. And, and it's the movie review podcast that disagrees to agree. <laughs> well, apparently, we definitely disagree to agree on this intro. Yes, this is great. This is yeah. Such I good think content. this is the most contention we ever have on the podcast is how it should start. <laughs> Even well, more so yeah. than our opinions on the movies. Uh, speaking true. of today, we're talking about Star Wars: Rise of uh, Skywalker. And at the end of the podcast, we're going to talk about Uncut Gems. We are not going to be talking about our Netflix homework, which was supposed to be Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, because my dog ate my homework, and uh, yeah, it's a three and a half hour movie, and I'm- Shame. Shame on you. Spending most of my time either at work or asleep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's- you gotta schedule it. It's- Uh I figured it's it's a good one to watch over the holidays, because you gotta- most people have some time off, stuff Most like that. People. But that that's okay. You didn't get to it. Uh, we will talk about it uh, by the next show. So uh, yes. hopefully if you're listening to this and you've watched The Irishman, um, we will get to that eventually. We promise. Yes. And we welcome all opinions on, uh, on the film. Um, we also welcome suggestions on uh, streaming homework. This is something new we talked about. Yeah, uh, I was wondering if you were going to remember this. Yeah, so... Uh, we're going to try to to not necessarily be a slave to our corporate Netflix overlords any longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to open it up instead of hashtag Netflix homework. It's now just our hashtag streaming network. So I think anything that's available for free streaming uh, is fair game. So if it's like well, Hulu, free Shutter, in the relative sense. So, I mean, we're still paying subscription subscription fees. Sure. But, you know, it's not like something you have to purchase on Amazon or anything. Yeah. Like, that. like a rental or something like that. Although I did notice um, Netflix has recently like buffed up their old movie selections. So I, I think uh, I think we might still be able to stay with Netflix for a while. I just wanted to open it up uh, beyond 
beyond just Netflix. that. Yeah, yeah, no, Netflix is definitely still on the table. But now yes. we know when we're going through the weeks and we're looking for stuff, we can look at Disney Plus or we can look at uh, Hulu or we can look at I don't know. Do you have uh, what's that one that comes free with the library card? Canopy. I've never fucking heard of that. I mean, I was thinking like <laughs> you know Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, uh, and yeah, anything that's Amazon. Free free on amazon yeah 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 um, so it'll kind of open things up because traditionally or if, uh, youtube if there's a full movie on youtube uh so <laughs> yeah it, it, so you it, have to watch in multiple parts <laughs> sure um but i the reason i mentioned it's just streaming homework now is um we do take listener suggestions for what our streaming homework should be, and we haven't had one in a while. So if yeah. you have any ideas for movies that you want us to watch and talk about, and mm-hmm. maybe it's not available on Netflix or whatever, um, shoot us an email. Uh, send us a twit, uh, yeah. and, and we'll take a look at it. Yeah, and, t- and take a look back at the last few years of our archives, because if it's like, I want you to talk about Avengers Age of Ultron, like, you know. Yeah, it's been a lot, about. I mean, we have <laughs> talked about a lot of stuff. Um, I'm not opposed to like a second look at like a movie that I haven't seen in a long ass time, but sure, yeah, but yeah, something that we've already reviewed for the podcast, um, probably isn't the best choice, especially if it's in the last couple of years. Yeah, if you if you watch something some night when you're stoned and it really freaked you out and you just want to know what other humans think of it, or if it even actually happened, or if you just hallucinated the whole thing, you know, we can confirm or deny that. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> All right. So uh, first on the docket, I had a uh, listener survey that I posted up. Holidays, not a ton of responses, but we did get some both on Twitter and on Facebook. So I'm going to start here on Twitter um, with uh, the, the responses we got there. And the question that I posed to the listeners is, what 2020 movies are you most looking forward to? Um, we got a response from your wife, Ashley, and I think this might be a bit of a joke. I think this might be a little bit of a ruse here, but you, you can, you can, uh, tell me if it is. She's, she wants to know about Sonic. Oh, 100% serious. Really? She's all in. Yeah, she's all in. After the reanimation and everything. Uh, no, she was in before that. Honestly, it's because of Jim Carrey. She loves Jim Carrey. Um, okay, and and she thinks he looks really funny in it, and you know what I'm I'm is I'm also curious because uh, we haven't seen Jim Carrey do like this kind of broad comedy in a long time. Not since um, Mr. Popper's Penguins. <laughs> uh, even that had a little bit of a uh, different tint to it, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that that is kind of. Her reasoning. Um, and you know what? Okay. I thought this was 100% ironic. No, no. I, I, no. Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm curious. I'm curious about a movie that believes in itself enough to completely reanimate its main character after most of the post production has already been done. Like, I, I mean, it might be a train wreck, but it's a train wreck I want to see. Okay. I mean, that's a reason at least. Uh, I don't know if I'm terribly excited for that, um, but you know it. It's already had a ton of uh, press, so I can only imagine it's going to help the movie. Sure. Um, 
Terry Vickery says he's excited for Godzilla vs. King Kong. I didn't know that was coming out this year, actually. Oh, yeah. He says, Fuck I yeah. really hope this monster vs. He says, I really hope this monster verse thing they're trying to do works out. Yeah, I mean... No, I, I agree. I So far, uh, King Kong has actually, of this monster verse, been my favorite of the movies. Sure. Um, but I've, you know, I've at least peripherally enjoyed the Godzilla movies. They, they haven't mm. knocked me out of the park yet, um, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm excited we at least got to this place. Uh, we're at least getting Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah. Um, I don't know kind of where we could go after, you know, maybe, maybe we'll see if it's a, if it's a success. Um, but I agree. I'm, I'm excited if for nothing else, the spectacle. Yeah. I just hope they don't do the problem with most of these so far as they just overcomplicate it with characters and plot. Yeah, and they they focus too much on the humans. Um, yeah, and that's been a big problem because, with the exception of John C. Riley, all the human characters have been incredibly boring, and yeah, you just don't give a fuck about them. The the you know, or the um, legendary kaiju verse has been like I don't know. It's like they get off on paying good actors to waste their time. Yeah. <laughs> Which they Absolutely. could, I think they could be a little more successful if they got maybe some, just some more character actors to camp it up a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. those are my favorite performances in the movies. John C. Riley, uh, Bradley Whitford, like, just give us that. That's all we need is, is funny guys being like, oh my god, there's monsters and I'm really scared by them. Right, what we definitely don't need is Kyle Chandler and uh, whoever, like, having marital problems. Yeah, and, like, smolder-offs. Like, I don't I don't care. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty excited for this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see. Uh, okay, Ashley, the other Ashley, says Mulan, Tenet, and Death on the Nile. What is Death on the Nile? I actually don't know what that is. Oh, I don't either. Was that a... I mean, I think that's an old movie. Is that a remake? I think it's like a, a murder mystery, maybe? Um, I, I don't know, actually. Uh, I might have to I'm look. looking it up right now. It it looks like it must have been a remake, because I opened something called Death on the Nile from 1978. Yeah, I think 2020. that's... 2020. I think okay, it's a remake yeah. of like a, uh, like a it, murder on the Orient Express type of thing. Yeah, Agatha Christie. Um, it's directed by Kenneth Branagh. It's going to have... Gal Gadot uh, and Army Hammer and Brana in the in the roles. So and that Benning, yeah, great cast. Wait, Kenneth Brana? Mm-hmm. Is this a an because wasn't Murder on the Orient Express like uh, wasn't that like a, a famous detective story? And and they like is that is the yeah that was another Agatha Christie thing I think. Yeah, I think I think he's And that was also a remake time. because yeah, but if you know more about the this uh series of remakes that seems to be happening, uh give us a shout out. Let us know what's going on. Get yeah, us excited. I mean, yeah, I I uh I like a good murder mystery. I didn't see the remake of Murder on the Orient Express. It kind of came and went. Sydney Lumet did the original in uh of that one. But um yeah, I uh you know, I, that cast is great. You can't beat that. Yeah. So yeah, I can see I can see being excited for that. Mulan, 
of all of the Disney remakes that have been coming out, the live action Disney remakes, this is the first one that's a really actually live action for the most part. And well, that's that's not true. Uh, I mean, Aladdin it's not entirely Indian. green screened like the like the uh, Lion King or uh, mostly green screen green screen like Aladdin. Um, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella. Like, yeah, that's. I think you. I'm going to make you walk back that statement. I mean, yes, Lion yep. King and Jungle Book were, <laughs> you know, fancy CGI cartoons, but yeah. uh, those those were live action. Um, anyway, so Mulan. Uh, I'm. I don't know. I kind of don't care about this one. I really. I'm bummed. Well, I'm bummed. It's, it's the not- only one I've cared about. I I just like the trailer. They're introducing this weird like witch character. There's no Mushu. Uh, there's no music, <laughs> and this is one of the ones with the some of the best music. Like, see, I, I, I think this hmm. for me. This, these are all welcome. Uh, well, I I don't know about Witch Lady. I don't know that much. See, first of all, Mulan was never like that. Was like post my interest in Disney, so I oh, don't have a like classic. a like a. I know it is, but I don't really have an emotional connection to Mulan. It came out when I was on to other things. I think it was um, like sort of to, for me. It was sort of like the last, the last movie of like sort of that quality of Disney. If that makes sense, right. like it, it was, it was the last of that era, kind of. Uh, right. It, it, it's well liked, but I, I'm just saying, like, I don't have the whole movie like memorized minute for minute, like I do some of the others. So oh God, have you ever have you ever been to karaoke? It has the best karaoke song ever. Yeah, the Donny Osmond one. The um, is it the We'll Make a Man Out of You song. Yeah. Yeah. But I like the look of the movie. It has kind of like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon kind of feel to it. It feels a little bit more serious. Like they're like they're they're not just going to try and make a live action cartoon, which is always just going to feel awkward and slow. I I, agree I, I think with it's going that. to be. I think it's going to be pretty good. I mean, I I, ag- I don't know, but I I agree with that. That that it um it does look like they're taking it very seriously. But I almost think they're like. I think they had an opportunity here to give us that action and that high fantasy-ness, but keep it a musical. Like there aren't eh, there aren't I, action. I think in this musicals. case you don't need it. I I think you do. I think it could have been really cool if they had tried for both. I think I mean I like a lot of Disney musicals, believe me, but like I think Aladdin would have been better off if it had not been a musical. I think uh, Beauty and the Beast would have been better if it wasn't a musical. Get the fuck out of here. You're fucking done. Because I'm done caring. They have a really hard time uh, going from the the regular uh, comedy set pieces into the musical sequences. Like, it's always awkward in these movies. All right, moving on, moving away from that. Um, Brad Page says he's really excited about a lot of movies. He's really excited about Onward, which is a new Pixar film. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really excited about Black Widow, uh, yeah. Wonder Woman 1984, another vote for Death on the Nile. Okay. Soul, is that another another Pixar thing? Oh, I don't know. I think it might be. Uh, I'd have to look that up. Godzilla versus King Kong, which we talked about. And I almost forgot this is coming out this year. This is actually very exciting. The Dennis Villeneuve's remake of Dune. Oh, that's this year? Mm-hmm. Oh, f- 
fuck, man, there's a lot coming out this year that I was not aware of. Um, yeah, shit, yeah. Uh, Black, so Black Widow, I, I was kind of, I'm sorry, I'm kind of backtracking here. Um, oh, go for you, it. You just listed a, a bunch of movies. Um, yeah. Onward, uh, the only interest I have in Onward is the fact that it's Pixar, but it right. kind of looks like, it kind of looks like sort of an off movie for me but uh i i'm i might give it a chance um black widow i was kind of ready to sort of be done with marvel for a little bit um after you know like in game and far from home and stuff um, yeah i i kind of think it might have been cool for them to just take like a year off but of course no um yeah but then i saw the trailer for black widow and i was like no that looks fucking dope like it looks really cool and and it suddenly just got me back into it again and and i think uh i think it's cool that you know scarlett johansson gets like sort of her own movie as a proper send-off um it it looks badass i'm i'm into that one what what were the other ones you mentioned soul and i was i was correct that is another pixar film so it's hard to know like between soul and onward which is the a and b project here um, but, uh, there's yeah, also, uh, uh another... soul is the new Pete doctor film. They also have a new, uh, Disney animated feature coming out called Raya and the last dragon. That looks interesting. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, there's, you know, Disney's going to be competing with themselves again all year. Yeah. That's um, kind of how it's been going lately. Um, yeah, I'm excited about black widow. I think it, it has a an opportunity to be stylistically different from like the big cosmic crazy sci-fi stuff they've been doing lately. Yeah. Um I'd like to see it kind of go maybe more into the action spy mode that something like Captain America Winter Soldier was. Well, I mean, uh, that, yeah, that's what this this looks like it's the very similar uh approach to me. And and that mm-hmm. is exciting to like let's take take a step back from the cosmic galactic stakes and you know uh-huh. let's just tell a cool fucking story of spies doing spy shit yeah and uh, i know like uh her sister in the film like the character of her sister in the film played by florence Pugh, who i really liked a lot in midsummer and who's going to be in who is in little women um so she's having a big kind of like coming onto the scene moment right now as an actress yeah um so yeah, I, I think that's a that's a pretty solid list. So let's go ahead and I guess talk about ours. What are you most excited about to see this year? God, I didn't know a lot of these came out um, <laughs> or are coming out. Uh, I mean, some of this I'm basing off of the trailers that have already dropped because you know I I kind of don't get too hyped for a movie until I see something about it. Yeah. Um, so right now, the top of my list is probably. Black Widow. Uh, I'm I'm pretty curious about the new Bond. Um, oh, I haven't I, seen anything about that. Oh, it, I I think it looks good. Um, it looks you know it looks like a Daniel Craig Bond movie. Okay. Um, I I'm a little hesitant about Wonder Woman to be honest. Like I saw really? the trailer. Well, I mean, here's the thing: the first one, you know, they knocked it out of the park. It's it's the same team coming back for another one. Mm-hmm. Um. But I saw the trailer and I wasn't super like it looks very uh 
tr- like sort of traditional superhero-y. And I just, I don't know. DC hasn't exact doesn't have the, exactly the best track record with that. But I, right, I'm, it's it's always going to be swimming against the current as far as that goes. But I'm definitely more excited than not. I just saw the trailer and was kind of underwhelmed. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm uh, I'm also kind of excited for the Birds of Prey movie with uh, Margot Robbie coming back as Harlequin. Um, really? Yeah, the I I think the it looks stylistically really fun and and hopefully argue, arguably Margot Robbie is the best part of Suicide Squad and so I think it's cool to yeah. say like let's take what worked about that movie and and maybe try another approach at it I I'm actually in just like the posters that have come out are really colorful and cool and just like yeah, well, they've design. always had the marketing game on point. Even with the first Suicide Squad, it like looked like something you'd want to see. That's um, true. You know, that's a good point. I don't know. I'm. I think that has more to lose, and yeah. so I, I'm hoping it's. Uh, I don't know. It, it just to me, there. I feel I got good vibes about that one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it could be fun. It definitely could be fun, as long as it doesn't get in its own way and do really stupid things. Yeah. Um, I And and Christopher Nolan's Tenet looks, you know, it looks like a Christopher Nolan movie, so that'll be yeah. at least a good time at the at the theater. Um, yeah, and that's, that's what I was going to say for my answer. And um, I forgot Dune was coming out this year, so that might actually officially be my answer, but... Yeah. But with Tenet, I'm... I'm kind of like hesitantly resolved to to see it. I mean I'm I'm excited for it and it's a good trailer, but you know, I, I haven't loved a Christopher Nolan movie in a while. And I kinda wanna see if he gets his mojo back on this one. I mean I've kind of been saying that for the last few movies, but I uh yeah, I wanna see him do the thing he does really well again. Yeah. Um, well this I mean this looks like it's right up his wheelhouse so i'm right i'm excited for it i yeah i get away from the war movies give us a, a in another thing i like i mean i Tenet. you know dunkirk was it was kind of funny because we were talking i was talking about this yesterday with uh, my roommates and none of us could remember the name of dunkirk <laughs> like we were just like what the fuck is that movie called yeah. I was like, I think it starts with an N, <laughs> but um, which is everything you need to say about that movie, really. Yeah. Um, but you know, if formally that movie was good, there was not. It was there was nothing about it that was wrong. I just didn't super care, and then it left me just as quick. Um, whereas you know, the last few movies before that, Dark Knight Rises and Interstellar, I can remember a lot more, and there has more oh, standout yeah. parts, but they're fucking messes yeah this one looks i don't know it looks like he's kind of going back to his inception roots and and yeah it's kind of the vibe and i think that's where he excels with you know yeah taught pseudo sci-fi thriller Uh, right as long as it's not over plotted and you know gets too uh invested in you know these insane third act crescendos like i think he could make something cool yeah, and and I also appreciate that you know he's one of the few directors right now that can sell an original script yeah. based off his name. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I that excites me. It's just like it's not a franchise. It's not a sequel. It's not for sure. It's it just uh, so I appreciate that. But um, I I actually also want to give one more mention, um, and that is to the King's Man. I think looks. Oh, really okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and I've again kind of in the same vein of, as Christopher Nolan, like uh, the King's Men movies are just so much fucking fun at the theater that yeah. this looks the same. You know, it, it does bum me out that it is a prequel, so we're not getting the characters we know, um, especially because I'm really starting to love Taron Egerton. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's directed by Matthew Vaughn, and it's, they're fucking fighting Rasputin. Like, how cool is that? Pretty cool. I don't know how much this ties in with the comic book series, if this ever happened there, if this if it's just kind of doing its own thing at this point. To some extent, oh, I think it always has been. But Yeah. I I is it a comic? I didn't even really know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, Warren Ellis? Who's the guy who did Kickass? You know, the edgelord British yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark M- Mark Millar. Mark and Millar. Wanted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, no, I, War- I believe he did the Kingsman. Warren Ellis is uh no one. offense to Mark Millar, but um, <laughs> Mark Millar is much more of an ed- edge lord. Warren Ellis is like more sort of trippy, mind bendy, sci fi kind of stuff. Right, right, right. Um, they kind of got famous around the same time. It's the only reason I confuse them. But, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I believe it, uh, Mark Millar was the creator of the Kingsman series. Huh. Yeah, I um, mean that that seems like a Mark Millar comic. Sure does. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and start talking about Star Wars. Um, I'll let you set it up because it's been a while since I've seen this movie. Okay, um, I actually, uh, full disclosure also, I also saw this movie twice. I should have. Um, I definitely needed to. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, because there is a lot to talk about here. Oh God! I, I okay. So Star Wars Episode Nine. I could just read the fucking intro scroller. Um, <laughs> so this is the the third and final movie of the new part Disney of the owned Skywalker trilogy. So you know we're the continuing adventures of Rey and Finn and Poe Dameron. We last left them with The Last Jedi. The Resistance was not in a good way. And in between movies, uh, I guess spoilers. Um, apparently oh, there was. A, let's just this- let's just put this at the top. This movie's been out for a while. Everyone's seen it. This is a spoiler review. Okay. All right. Good. Um, yeah. Because again, there's lots to talk about. Right. So the Emperor has returned from the dead. He's sending out this signal. Uh, and Kylo Ren tracks him down, um, gives more power to this. Uh, so he's planning to build this ultimate fleet of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, all the meanwhile, Rey is training to become a true Jedi with Princess Leia, General Leia, mm-hmm. uh, with the resistance. Yeah, and then they learn about the Emperor coming back to life, so they decide they gotta mount one last mission to track down the Emperor's whereabouts so that they can kill him for realsies this time. Yes. That's, I mean, that's the basic nuts and bolts of it. Um, 
But here's the thing. So this movie, this movie is pretty frustrating at times. Mm-hmm. Um, because it does spend a good tw- uh, 20 minutes of its two and a half hour runtime just apologizing for the previous movie. Right. Uh, which I wasn't into because I really liked the last movie. And, and mm-hmm. I think um, it set up some interesting complications and and in this case they were like nah we don't want to do that it's funny because i think this movie does what a lot of people who were upset about the last jedi were criticizing it for which was not using the stuff that had been built into the mythology or the trilogy so far right and this movie is retconning its own mythology within itself yeah where I personally, I don't think the Last Jedi does that. I think no, it I takes don't think what so was either. set up, and I think it twists the expectations in unique and interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I don't. Whereas this movie flat out denies stuff that happened in in the Last Jedi, so that aspect of it is really frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. And that's like the first twenty minutes of this movie. Um, I found myself being like. Okay, is this it? Like, this is what I get? Okay, I guess. This is a bummer. And then slowly, I found myself just sort of being like, letting go of that. And like, okay, that's what this is. Uh, and just sort of trying to enjoy where this movie goes on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it, it stumbles on itself a lot. And it tries to be everything to everyone. And that's... It's a movie made by committee, and that's frustrating. And typically that is not when we get the best art. Um, And and I think this is not an exception to that rule. However, once I just sort of resigned myself to what the movie was and sort of was sinking into the plot a little bit, uh, to me, I did find enough in here to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. but it's it's not my favorite. Um, it's it's not definitely not my favorite of the new trilogy, even uh, you know. But and here's the thing: when we're talking about this movie, we kind of have to talk about all of the main trilogies so far because that's yeah. what they were setting themselves up to do. They were setting themselves up to try and cap off this entire thing uh, uh, and. In some ways, you know, there's some spectacle here that's really cool. It's really mm-hmm. well shot. Um, there's some scenes that it is, I think, some of Star Wars at its best. Um, it, it, this movie is big and loud and ugly and complicated, but <laughs> that's sort of Star Wars, uh, just as an IP. So I was also able to forgive some of its messiness and, and stuff. So that's... That's sort of where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I kind of had a similar journey with the film as I was watching it. I was frustrated by a lot of it. I don't, I don't think it's particularly well paced. Um, a lot of it, like the first half I, of the I, movie, I would say I like the th- first like hour and a half of the movie feels very rushed. Like they're just kind of yeah. planet hopping, going from set piece to set piece to set piece. Yes, you yeah. don't always know why they're doing things. They're just kind of, it's just kind of seems like, well, we need to like have 
like everybody complained that the last film was too slow or it was too character oriented or there was too much kind of like methodical like conversation set pieces. So this one has to be nothing but battle, 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 battle. Um, and the it feels out of breath at a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that when the movie starts to starts to kind of settle into itself more, and I I was kind of going with it a little bit more, is when we're on the planet that I already can't remember the name of, where uh, Poe Dameron meets his ex jilted lover, um, who I yeah. believe is Carrie Russell, right? So, yeah, JJ yeah, Abrams uh, alum Carrie Russell, Jory um, Bliss, yeah. Yeah, and I really like that character. Zori I think Bliss. she's. I'm sorry, Zori Bliss. I think she's like a good like throwback to the pulpy nature of of the Flash Gordon aspect of Star Wars. Um, well, and I would have liked to see maybe a little bit more with her actually, but I I liked that scene, and mm. from then on I was able to kind of go with the groove of the movie, or I felt like the movie actually settled on a groove. Um, I, I agree with you, and and here's why I th- I think that set piece in particular stands out. One, it's it's, it's the totally first new idea in the whole thing. Yeah, it's a totally <laughs> new location. Uh, two, this is it starts to feel like a war movie, um, mm-hmm. and and the, you know these are the Star Wars. And three, it's sort of a, a huge emotional centerpiece because um, at the time, uh, C three PO is sort of sacrificing himself to, to to further the mission, and so. Yeah. Let's it's, put a pin in that, though. Well, yeah. Yes, we'll definitely come back to that. Um, <laughs> but to me, I, I agree with you. This was when I was starting to warm up to the movie as well. I, I Actually, for me, it was a little bit earlier. It was the set piece in the desert where she, like, jumps over the TIE fighter. Like, because that's really fucking cool. That, yeah, there's, that there's, was about... None of the set pieces are, are uncool. Um, yeah. You know individually they look good they're shot well they're exciting they're you know well edited well executed they just feel disjointed next to each other because they don't there's not a lot of connective tissue and it feels like they just they film them kind of at random and then sequence them the best they could think of doing it so yes and so Again, kind of what helped me with this is what I think works in this movie Mm -hmm. is – and what I think is sort of the only thing that works throughout this whole trilogy is the connection between Rey and Kylo Ren. Yeah, that seems to – that ended up being – and I don't know if that was always a plan because it's become – Blatantly oh, there was no there plan. never was a plan. There was no plan. <laughs> but there was no fucking plan. <laughs> if there is, if there is a through line through the three movies, it's between those two characters. Yeah, um, and, and how they're able to kind of find some balance of the force between the two of them, and also yeah. Adam Driver is is just. I mean, he is carrying this fucking movie on his back. Sure is, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, he's got the shoulders for it, but uh, <laughs> he's, like, the only one that I really feel like I care about through the whole movie. And, he, you know, he does have yeah. the most compelling journey. Um, Ray, they, to a certain extent, too, and, and, and by extension, their relationship, um, yes. which was always kind of a question mark. And one of the things I don't love about this movie is it kind of undoes the question mark it kind of answers those questions in ways i thought were 
sort of like too obvious. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't have a problem with that because this, you know, this is the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the you know the their relationship did need to build to something. May, yeah, I think they could have maybe made some more interesting choices. Um, like it didn't necessarily have to be totally romantic. Um, but right. Well, one of the things that was so compelling about their relationship in The Last Jedi, and I think maybe this is a emotional component that the the film's detractors never considered, Mm -hmm. is that it is such a betrayal for Rey, who's working for the Resistance, and who, you know, is secretly carrying on this, like, kind of pseudo-romantic or or taboo relationship, you know, psychic relationship with... their main enemy Mm -hmm. um and it's it's this very personal relationship between the two both of them kind of feel like they're at odds with their side by even by even breaching this and and, what's kind of a bummer about about uh rise of skywalker is that there's no consequences to either of them for this bond well like it never comes like there's never a, a scene with where somebody might find out what's going on or whatever. And, you know, we have the whole team, like, wondering if Ray is even on the level. You know, like, th- those were the places I thought it was going to go. And I instead, really it's think- just battle, 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 battle. I really think that, I mean, here's the thing. You could write a fucking, you could write an entire screenplay just based off the missed opportunities of this movie. Uh, right. You know, like. Put that on the poster. <laughs> uh, you know, th- there's so many things they could have done with Ray and uh, mm-hmm. her flirting with the dark side, and her yeah. and them them finding a balance between the two of them that's neither Jedi nor Sith. Yeah, uh, there's all this interesting stuff that was on the table, but they sacrificed it for you know for much more predictable storyline. So I can't. So yes, it's frustrating to think of all to think of what this movie could have been. Mm-hmm. Um but that's not what it is, so there's so whatever. Like there's no point in crying too much over spilt milk. Um Agreed. In, instead it's like, okay, so this is what we get. So what do I think about what we get? And yeah. uh yeah, I agree with you. I think the first chunk of this movie is just a total slog. It's like it, it is well, I wouldn't like the say worst a slog. The f- I, I, I wasn't bored. I was just like, I was. I just couldn't I, get I mean, a footing in the in the film because it was so so quick to jump from thing to thing. That's. I guess that's what I mean when I say a slog. Not that it's slow, but it's just like there's no there's no there's nothing to to keep me locked in. So mm-hmm. it's just like stuff's happening, and I'm like, okay. You know, right. Um, I, I mean, and you know, again, there's there's stuff I like about that, like, uh, and I like that, you know, like I like that, um, Leia is is just a full on Jedi master and teaching Ray, and like that they actually, mm. you know, considering uh, that um, um, unfortunately Carrie Fisher passed right. during the making of the last movie. I think they at least did a good job of giving that some payoff. Um, yeah. And I've seen some criticism toward that online. I've seen some people thought that they did her dirty. 
I don't think so. I thought no, she no, was. I don't think so I th- at all. They, she had she has a pretty substantive role in the film, and um, has and more th- to do than I definitely thought they would. Yeah, and I think you know she does have. Uh, uh, you know, it is unfortunately it's abridged, and I would have liked to see what could have been. But again, right. To me, that's just going into the realm of let's you know let's not focus on what this movie could have been because it's not. Right. Um, and and I think that they got a lot more out of that than I expected, and and I think it was a, a really nice send off for the character, and it was it was I think a nice tribute to to Carrie Fisher. Um, you know, finally letting her be the master, letting her be the master and the general, and 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 letting yeah. her. You know, it's unfortunate she couldn't enjoy that stuff while she was alive. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately, I was. I think it wouldn't have even bothered me so much where this movie goes had it not gone out of its way to do a total erasure of The Last Jedi. Like, that was super frustrating to me. Like, yeah. Just yeah, we don't we don't need to pander, you know. We don't need to. Uh, I don't know. I I even think there's little fixes, or I guess they're fairly big fixes. But I think there's things you could have done to this film to keep it more or less the same, but a little smarter and a little less yeah. on the nose. And that and I think that really comes down to my issues with J.J. Abrams as a storyteller and a film writer and and as a filmmaker is he always goes for the most obvious choice. Yes. Um, I, I think he, I think he's a good, I think he's a good visual director. I think he has a good sense of, he definitely has a sense of what people want to see. And and he's very good at like uh, capturing tone. He's Mm -hmm. really good at, um, you know, create recreating, things that he you know has seen or liked before but when it or comes even, down to the or nuts even and creating bolts creating a, a new spin on things like i you know i think eh. i think he he i, I just see i think that's what, kind of where he drops the ball because when when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of the storytelling it always leaves me underwhelmed you you come away like he's yes. really good at the feel like say something like Super Eight, right? Yeah. The, the feel of the movie is great. The acting is great. The set pieces are great, but the actual story is kind of dumb and boring. Well, when I, when, I when it comes think to what it comes down to for me with J.J. Abrams is he's just not that great of a writer. No, 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 he isn't. And you know, this was a tall order because he's dealing with capping off a trilogy he's has to tie all these threads together and he's you know was was probably a director from disney i don't know but he for whatever reason felt like he had to apologize for the last movie and fix things and then on top Which, of that you know he had to he had to live on the legacy of uh pulling you know a whole star wars thing together and you know capping off nine films so th- this is a lot more than i think he's capable of doing anyway well some of my biggest storytelling problems with the movie and these aren't just you know missed opportunities from what they could have done from the last film but sure one of my biggest problems with this film is death is meaningless 
Everybody yeah. in this movie dies and comes back to life at some point. Almost yeah. fucking everybody. Chewbacca dies and comes back to life. C-3PO dies and comes back to life. Both Rey and Kylo Ren die and come back to life. <laughs> fucking the Emperor dies and comes back to life. Like, death is meaningless. There are no fucking stakes in this movie. And by the sixth character that this happens to, I threw my hands up in the air and said, this is fucking stupid. Like, yeah, they play that card so many times. It's like, you can't, in the same goddamn movie, you just can't do that. I get this is like Greek tragedy, and it's well, a, and, and it's pulp, and it's comic book, and it's all these things. But what well, you- and and Kylo Ren dies twice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I I agree with you completely. And and uh, as far as that goes, like uh, I didn't mind the Chewbacca fake out because that was uh, yeah, that because we- that was uh, one of the first ones. Yeah, and and. Here's the thing. Here's the frustrating thing with me is the C-3PO moment is so yeah. good when he's like, when he's accepting death, he, you know, he, yeah. or not, not, he's accepting a death of a kind. He, you know, he, yeah. he's going to have his memory wiped. A droid death. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he has this beautiful moment where he's like, I just want to look at my friends one last time. And like, it choked me up. I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, I didn't expect that kind of a gut punch. <laughs> yeah. And then by the end of the movie, it's all better. And like, what the f- that? Uh, yeah, JK. Yes, that to me is so... And I and I know they set it up like, well, doesn't R2-D2 store your memory ba- files or whatever? Fuck that. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to do it, pull the damn trigger. Like, Yeah, that's my, us- that's my issue with the movie is it has no guts for any of its choices. It just yes. it's it's it it rides right up to the line of an interesting choice and then takes it back. I agree, and it does that literally at every opportunity. Yeah. Uh, there's also some random nonsense that I think was frustrating, like um, uh, when Ray all of a sudden has parcel tongue and is speaking to this giant snake to set up the fact that she has Healy powers. Cut that yeah. scene entirely. They they because they run really fast and loose with what what Jedi's can do. They're inventing things. They they. But, I, but saw, here's the I thing. saw a I, funny meme on Twitter where uh, where uh, said that um, Ray learned her Force powers from Nancy from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I don't get it. Because it, in Nightmare on Elm Street, Nancy can can pull items out of her dreams into reality. Oh oh hey. Here's the thing. I didn't. I had zero problem with that. I thought that was kind of cool. That um, there's this new. You know, they have this weird force connection thing we've never heard of. Okay, cool. That's something new. Thank God. Um, eh. uh, cool. Give us. I thought it was powers. a little writer devicey. Whatever. I didn't care. It was something new, uh, uh, and it led for some visually very cool scenes, and it was it supported their that their connection was more than just. We love each other. Um, so right, cool. Right. I'm I'm all for that. Uh, she has healing powers. Cool. It's again. It, it it's logical to me that Jedi's. You know, if the Force runs through everything, uh, Jedi's have always been in my mind sort of these space clerics. Cool. The problem is the scene where Kylo gets stabbed. We know immediately she's going to heal him. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So again, if the movie had any guts, 
cut the scene with the snake. We don't need to establish she has healing powers. Mm. You know, because there's this fucking amazing fight scene on the old Death Star uh, with these crashing waves. It's epic as fuck. Very visually cool. Yeah. Yeah. And holy shit, if she had just stabbed him and it was like, and she just freaks the fuck out and learns this power on the fly, that would have been so much more interesting to watch. Like, that's my problem with this movie. Is it's yeah, so... That's a little arguable. I think that could have came off a little bit of, at Deus Ex Machina at that point. But I, I don't know. I'd be interested to Deus see... Ex Machina. I would have, I would, I'd want to see how that played out, but I, I could see that going either way. I I don't know. I also have... Okay. There's other reasons it wouldn't have bothered me, but that's a little... Are we going to go full fucking deep dive? I think we already have. Uh, okay, so... <sighs> okay let me get my nerd my nerd spittle going if we're going off of what's already been established in episode seven of the mandalorian the idea that a fourth healer can be a fourth user can be a healer was already established by baby yoda uh <laughs> and there and again i know this is so fucking nerdy but there was a reason they dropped that episode before uh rise of skywalker came out Whatever. Uh, it's very I, I like the Mandalorian universe. as much as a, a much of the Mandalorian I've seen, which is not all of it, but I like it. Uh, I I don't need your extended universe bullshit, like tr- filling in the writers' gaps in this movie. No, he, but here's the thing: it's not it's not that it is filling in a writers' gap. It's that okay, cool. There's a context for it. Uh, so for me, it was it was less jarring. But whereas when we see her do it multiple times and I've already seen somebody else do it, I'm like, oh, okay, this is just like this new fucking thing that Disney's throwing in my face versus something that could be used for interesting storytelling. That's the only point I was trying to make. And one of of the things that could have been so much more powerful had we not immediately known she was going to heal him. Right. And I think one of the issues with me for with that uh, additional force power uh is i then start thinking about all the times in episodes one through six that this power could have really come in handy well and you know but but okay here's the thing first of all most jedis die falling down a pit you you read the jedi pit theory yeah um there's this old article i don't even remember what where it was from but it's i think if you think it's master ninja right yeah, yeah. A, a really, uh, really old blog that doesn't exist anymore. About how uh, when Jedis are near pits, they're somehow like the force <laughs> is weaker and that's why they always die or whatever. But, yeah, you know, so most and they die very uh, family friendly deaths of like falling <laughs> into an abyss or something so that they don't. Right. Get, uh, uh, it, it's a so theory sure. that holds up pretty well. It actually does. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, again, it doesn't bother me because we're entering a new chapter of the Force. Uh, uh, oh. You know, um, it doesn't bother me that people would learn how to use the Force differently than have used it before. Like in in okay, so that's my- fine. Just give me just like one line of exposition from you know some fucking 
force okay, mage that was, that was to say, oh my god, the... we've never seen this before. You're you must have like an insane midichlorian counter. Oh my god, you know, this is this is a new age of the force. Like what's happening now? Just to establish that this is new and that this hasn't always been a thing. Okay, sure. Fine. Man, this is probably probably I know. We're we're just podcast to listen to. <laughs> we are full we are full on nerd raging right now. <laughs> well, uh, okay. I want to get but, to my bi- my biggest rage point and yes, please please give, come to the dark side. Here it is. Uh bringing back the emperor was stupid. I agree. Um it doesn't work narratively. It, to- it again, it totally uh defangs neuters whatever you want to say um the the power of his his death as a character from the previous films Mm -hmm. um and it's also completely unexplained they're just he's just like i'm fucking alive again um (laughs) i'm back bitches (laughs) you can't stop sheev palpatine (laughs) right i'm gonna drag all your asses (laughs) anyway um and it's also completely unnecessary. So it yes. the big the big big reveal is that uh, Ray is Senator Palpatine's uh, granddaughter. granddaughter. Which you know I actually like figured it out at like minute ten. I was like putting it together sure. in my head. I was like, Everybody oh f- fuck, obviously. Like that's why they're bringing him back. That's why she has a British accent. Blah blah blah. Um, here's the thing. Here's the the only thing I'll say about her being. Emperor Palpatine's granddaughter is, you know, Palpatine fucks now. It's canon. Uh, let me fill you with my hatred. Uh, well, uh, uh, uh. when it's he was canon, Palpatine fucks. When he was just a senator, he I'm, gets I, his lightsaber wet. I'm, he wasn't as gross like in the episodes one and two, but. <laughs> whatever. So that's canon, whatever. And I'm actually okay with that choice. It's somewhat interesting. They don't do a goddamn thing with it. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, there there should have been a little bit more, I think, drama and inner turmoil. And what does this mean? And am I actually evil? Am I destined for evil? Whatever. That's, like, barely skimmed, skimmed on. But yeah. I don't even think it's a bad choice. I just wish they had done anything with it. Uh you still could have done that choice. You could still could have the whole fucking thing with her finding the knife and, you know, like f- finding her connection to Palpatine. All of that could have been done without literally bringing Palpatine back to life. It could, even if he had been just some, had, had he even just been a force ghost? Exactly. Right? We yes. know that, we know that Jedi can be force ghosts. Why can't a Sith? Like that sure. would have been a more, or he's caught thing. in some sort of weird thing or some, you know, evil dark spell or like some horcrux that he, he like kept himself, you know, sort of in some sort of stasis well, that, and he I, needed a new an- host to, uh, is to it- be able to return, which is basically what he said he was going to do. Again, you can do all of this without literally bringing him back. Yeah, and and also let's make it uh let's play with that. Let's have some tension between her and 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 being tempted by the dark side and stuff. And, and yeah. What what bothered me specifically about the choice to bring Palpatine back, the way they brought Palpatine back is it all happens between movies. So everybody's just like, "Oh, I guess Palpatine's back." <laughs> like that's that's what we get. Uh, like they kind mm-hmm. of imply that it has to do with you know being a sith like that he's this sort of rotting zombie but they don't explain it no and it would be so much more 
instead of having that be like the opening credit scrawl, like Emperor's back, strap in. Like, <laughs> let's show the mysterious signal that people are getting and have people being like, what? What's going on? Is the, if yeah. the emperor and can't be back? Like play with JJ Abrams. JJ Abrams is supposedly the the mystery box guy. You could have left that a mystery the whole movie. You could exactly. you could have played with that instead of just like throwing us in this huge huge story altering thing and just like taking it for granted the whole time. Also, I thought it was hilarious when uh when they they approach um Leia about it and she's like, "Yes, he's been behind all of this the whole time." It reminded me of that scene in uh <laughs> in fucking um Awesome Powers 2 when he's like <laughs> So and so is a fembot, and, and uh, yeah. Basil Exposition's like, yes, we've known this all along. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, no, you, you're told, and and the other thing, uh, God, I was gonna say something. <laughs> yes, you're you're absolutely right. It's just like that. Oh yeah, the other thing, the other reason it's problematic to bring back the emperor is it yeah. totally guts again what they set up with Kylo Ren in the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. like. He's the fucking supreme leader. Let's let's deal with the fact that Rey's in love with him, but he's fucking responsible for killing everybody she loves. Like, there's an interesting story there, and and yeah, she she could be flirting with the dark side, and maybe she is meant to be with him. Like, but yeah. instead, it's like, oh, I'm just Darth Vader again, uh, mm-hmm. and it's like that to me was really frustrating. Um. No, I I agree with you. It's problematic as fuck, and I think they dealt with it in the worst way they could have. Yeah. Uh, okay. But again, that to me falls in the. That's a little that bit fall, of that it's a what have what have could have should have thing, but yeah, and that all falls within the first like half hour of the movie, which I genuinely didn't enjoy. Um, yeah. I did like okay random observations of things I did enjoy. Uh, Alien Burning Man was kind of fun. Sure. Uh, uh, the the this does give us some of the best Star Wars creatures and puppetry uh, to date. Um, yeah, well, uh, there's so, there that looked cool. Those are high points for me. Um, Babu Frick, Babu Frick, the little fucking dude who works on C three PO's brain. Yeah, um, another kind of writing device character, but he's cute. Yeah, he's cute and fun, and I'm talking purely like his creature design. Yeah, uh, there's there's this moment where they meet Lando, which I I did like that. Um, but there's so let me just tell you why I liked this moment. Okay, it's the dumbest fucking reason to like it, but uh, I'm, I'm again I'm talking specifically about character design and creatures right now. Uh, he, like, pulls him aside in this tank. He's like, hey, Chewbacca, you stand out in a crowd. I'm still Lando. Cool, fun, mm-hmm. nice cool. fan servicey. And then he, like, taps on this window, and he's like, hey, get us out of here. And this fucking alien puppet opens up the door, and he's just like, okay. And it made <laughs> me laugh out loud both times I saw it. It was basically Animal from the Muppets. Right. And he's just like, Okay. <laughs> I fucking loved that moment. It's so dumb, but I loved it. Uh, and and t- to me, though, there are those little moments that sort of had this Star Wars glue that was mm-hmm. enough 
for me to hang on to a, a very messy movie. Uh, I do think the end sequence was pretty cool. Um, those, you know, the 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 big battle sky, on the yeah on the, the sky lightning and, ruins and ultimately of the Death Star. yeah and ultimately what made this movie work more than fail was uh, Kylo Ren coming back as Ben Solo, you know, armed with nothing but a blaster, um, and, and and that all really worked for me. That sort of emotional climax. Yeah, uh, I think it should have happened a little sooner in the film, and then we could have had more of a, like, sure, a little sure. bit more of a gradient there. He, he kind of goes from, like, I'm evil, I guess I'm good in, like, 20 minutes or less. Um, I, I was okay with that. I mean, same thing kind of happens with Darth Vader. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it works because she literally Switching from Kylo light side Ren. to dark side is like, whew, that's some, like, like tight wire shit. Oh, yeah, it's... <laughs> So like, I, you find out your mom gets killed in the desert. You're just a genocidal maniac. Jesus, you ain't kidding. Uh, I think it's bonkers to say that any of the prequel films are better than this. Um, th- those movies are so much worse. So, I mean, I, I have a high threshold for Star Wars bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, I and here's the thing. Seeing the movie a second time, and knowing the stuff that was going to bug me, it still definitely bugged me, but I was able to sort of set that side stuff aside for the adventure a lot earlier in the movie yeah. and just sort of enjoy it for what it is. Um, again, it's it's messy. It's not perfect by a fucking long shot. It's especially frustrating when... We hit a fa- when we're coming off of a franchise high with the Last Jedi, yeah. Um, but overall, that's although we are Wars. something in the minority of being fans of the Last Jedi, especially within the oh, I don't the Star don't Wars the Star Wars fandom world. I think it, it is a big critic fan divide on that, and maybe I, on that I, we tend to lean more critic than fan. But uh, I don't give a fuck. It's so good. I rewatched it and. The stuff that bothered me didn't bother me at all. I love that movie. It's it's like right up there with Empire Strikes Back. I agree. One of my favorite Star Wars. I agree. I'm just time. telling you, there's people listening to us right now who think we're whack as fuck. Well, then fuck them. I mean, <laughs> don't keep listening. But, uh, it, but it, it's frustrating to me to see people like online and stuff. And I try not to get too bogged down in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but who who loved this movie, but criticized the last Jedi and, and don't, I think they're being reactive. Well, but what frustrates me is this movie does the things that people were upset about the last Jedi. I know, but, but way more shamelessly. Yeah. And without adding new, as much new, interesting stuff as the last Jedi does. Agreed. Uh, And with, so it, yeah, but again, that's 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 Chinatown, baby. Uh, you that's know, that's definitely not the quote. That's part. Of, <laughs> that's a Chinatown, baby. Uh, <laughs> um, the, that, but that's you know, sure. It's Star Wars has always been this messy thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, part of the fun of Star Wars is fighting about Star Wars. Exactly, um, and and Return of the Jedi. 
now that I'm older, I can clearly see it's not as good of a movie as Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's fine. I so, still like it more. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, as a critic, I, I can look at Empire and I know that it's a better film, but I just have more affinity for 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 the hijinks of Jedi. But okay. I, and I'm, I'm I can see people feeling that about this. Like, I know people who felt that that yeah. ex- that exact thing. Like, yeah, maybe Last Jedi is a better movie, but. You know, I just feel like this is more feels more like a Star Wars movie. Uh, right, that, right, right. And I think so. To me, that has to takes account for some of my um, for some of my grading on this movie. Uh, I think we've talked this to death. Uh, we could honestly just make this a whole Star Wars podcast, but we do have another review to get. We do to, have another so movie. Um, I do want to say a few things about it that I liked. Um, okay. Yeah, I've already said I think, you know, the action set pieces are, are, are really exciting, cool, and well edited. I still think the acting and the characters are fun. Um, again, the characters, they kind of feel like they're on a track that they can't get off of. But I think that uh, I'm still invested in them. And, uh, you know, credit to all those actors who uh, who were able to do a lot with sometimes very little. Um, and I, and yeah, I do... And, and who, who act like... Who were able to give a shit enough through the movie, even though now that they're sort of out of the other side, right? Uh, some of them have been kind of dragging the shit out of it, which amuses me. Um, it is what it they, is. They, yeah, but they still they still worked for it. You know, they still yeah. turned out good performances. I think the last set piece on the uh, yeah the ruins of the uh, of the Death Star is one of the best set pieces in Star Wars history. It looks great. It's really cool. The drama works there. Um, and it's a great fight scene. It's a, a it's, great fight scene. Yeah, it's just a really well executed action moment. Uh, and I, you know, it it is more fun than some entries of the Star Wars. I I would say definitely more fun than Episode Two. And yeah. for me, I know it has its fan base, and maybe I should look at it again. But I think it's more fun than Rogue One, which is uh, like no, for actually, me, that's I a fucking slog. I agree with you there. Um, I. So I rewatched all of the Star Wars movies in preparation, yeah. and including and Rogue One and Solo. Uh huh. And um, man, Solo is so fucking fun. Talking so underrated. Fun. So underrated. Um, but Rogue One, like for me, that's sort of two different movies. The first hour kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, is it, but like once you get to that second hour, I it really clicked for me this time in a way okay. that it didn't before. Um, I, it's still not one of my personal favorites. I think it. It, to me, it's sort of weird how highly regarded that one is, but um, right. But I I did appreciate it a lot more the second time, so it is it is yeah. That's why that's why I I've said I might want to watch it again. I just was I remember like literally almost nodding off and falling asleep when I saw it in theater. But yeah, the first hour is like nonsense. But once they get so, to like, and that's sort of not the this movie. Like I think Rise of Skywalker never has that problem. I just think it's poorly written and kind of dumb a lot of the yeah. times. Yeah, um, it was, it was and set, I think it was set up to sort of fail, but I don't think it totally Sometimes does. it feels like a Star Wars film that I would have written in, like, eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, I'd be like, but eh, the Emperor kinda... comes back. Um, yeah. But whatever. That, that's it, okay. If I'm giving it a grade, it's, it's like a C-plus for me. I mean, it... I guess if if we're grading on a Star Wars curve, it's uh, yes. I, it's I probably 
it's probably still a C plus. I think it is what it is either way. Uh, I I agree with you that uh, if I'm not grading on a Star Wars curve, it is a little lower. It's yeah, probably about a C plus. Um, grading it as a Star Wars movie, I'm I give it a B minus. So it's still okay. you know pretty close, but uh, yeah. But I think, like you said, there is enough fun. There's enough uh, swashbuckle. There's enough yeah. uh, uh, melodrama that overall I was happy with how the saga ended. It could have been a lot better, but it also could have been a lot fucking worse. We've seen worse. Uh, I just, I I rewatched the prequels, dude. So, so did I. I so did I. Man. And I actually, I had sort of a good time rewatching the sequels. Not because they're good movies, because they're not. But oh, because I, I had, like, all this different kind of perspective on them um, and, and watching them years later. And zero emotional connection. So I can uh, just sort of look at them very clinically. Um, that's, that's how it was. So I rewatched them before The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how I was. I was like, okay, you know, it, it is what it is. And yeah. we rewatched them this time. Because I wanted to do all of it. I wanted to do all of Star Wars. And there's a lot more now <laughs> than yeah. there was when to, to prep for Force Awakens. And uh, after Revenge of the Sith, me and my wife looked at each other and were like, we could just not do these ones ever again. And that's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I know I'll, I'll revisit the other Star Wars, but I think I'm done with the prequels forever at this point. Yeah, I am looking forward to that Ewan McGregor uh What's his name? The ben Disney Kenobi Plus? movie. Yeah. Yeah, that could, uh, I think it's going to be a Disney Plus show. Oh, well, who knows? But anymore? I mean, if The Mandalorian's any indication, fucking A. You need to finish that shit. It's good. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and talk about uh, Uncut Gems then. And I'll set this up. Okay, so Uncut Gems is uh, directed by Benny and Josh Sadfi, the Sadfi brothers. I think they did The Good Time together. Was there a previous that effort? One. That was the one with uh, Robert Pattinson. He got a lot of uh, attention for that role. Um, and uh, this uh, one stars okay. uh, Adam Sandler. And it's uh, one of, what's a serious Sandler turn. Um, we've seen this every once in a while. He decides he wants to give a shit about his career and he makes a good movie. Um, and this one, he stars as uh, owner of a uh, jewelry and jewel shop in New York City. As a, a man named Howard Rett- Ratner, and he discovers these opals, uh, these rare uncut opals um, in Africa, I want to say. And he has them shipped into his shop. And uh, what we learn about this character as the movie goes along, and this movie's written really interestingly because we learn as it goes. It's very much a, a uh, show-not-tell kind of movie. So every single scene, we're kind of gleaning more and more about this, this man's life situation and he lives a pretty chaotic life he has you know a wife he has a mistress he's kind of living in double life there even though everyone kind of knows it's sort of a a worst kept secret sort of type thing um and he's also has debt all over town he has these loan sharks that are after him and he's trying to pay off one guy to get the money for the other guy throughout the entire film and uh he has this basketball player professional basketball player who's an actual basketball player do you remember his name Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett, who is interested. You fucking nerd. You fucking nerd. We could just rage about the fucking force and the nuances of force power. We just did for an hour yeah. and a goddamn half. And then when it's one basketball player, you're just like, what was his name? 
Did you? Did you? Would you have known? Yeah. Would you? Kevin no, Garnett. you wouldn't have. Shut the, the fuck up. Anyway, you don't know KG. <laughs> no, I don't. But he's he's in the movie, I guess, playing himself, and is actually you know really good in the film. Um, and he's really interested in these opals. He thinks they have some sort of like good luck power. Uh, and he convinces um, uh. Adam Sandler's character to let him borrow these opals that are supposed to go to an auction. And this is kind of like Adam, uh, Adam Sandler's characters, uh, get out of everything free card is he's hoping to get a lot of money from this auction so they can kind of set everything into motion and pay off his gambling debts and everything else. And once this, these opals kind of get out of his, uh, get out of his hands and sort of end up in a situation where he's not sure if he can get them back um, he finds himself kind of running into one problem after another, after another, after another. And so we have this kind of rising uh, tension and escalation um, as the movie goes. And, uh, you know, this movie reminds me of a lot of things as I'm watching it. And one of the, it kind of reminds me of like the early, the really early, like Darren Aronofsky films, like uh, Pie and Requiem for a Dream, how it kind of like, how he kind of like builds that tension. Um, from scene to scene, and it also kind of reminds me of sort of the verite realism of something like early uh, Larry Clark films. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a, a different kind of different kind of Sandler thing. What did you think? Um, no, I mean, this movie's really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really well done, but it is a a fucking panic attack. Yeah. Like basically from the start of the movie, like it does not uh ease you into anything. Mm-hmm. It it just immediately like sort of thrusts you into like you said, Adam Sandler's chaotic life and just yeah. um uh and how he can manage to sort of keep all these plates spinning at once. Yeah. Um, and you just you feel that at any given minute one of these plates is gonna fall down. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'm using plates as a metaphor here. He, he's not an actual plate spinning circus performer. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it. I mean, here's the thing. I say what you will about Adam Sandler as a writer or director or a producer. He's a fucking good actor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he commit even if it's a dumb, stupid character, he commits to it a thousand percent, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's definitely refreshing to see him commit to something outside of himself um but that uses him and and sort of criticisms of him really well like the character is sort of a fast-talking hustler uh he he's very loud but he's very loud very brassy everybody thinks he's like really annoying Mm -hmm. uh pretty immature like he's he's sort of playing a dark parody of himself uh which isn't uncalled for for adam sandler to do he is sort of similar to punch drunk love he's playing sort of his his rage persona um uh in funny people he's literally playing like a darkened version of a stand-up who who uh reaches penultimate success Mm -hmm. and in this he's playing sort of a uh a realistic version of one of these obnoxious Adam Sandler characters, Mm. you know, like sort of Jewish stereotypes. Um, 
but he's he's playing it with such earnesty that it really fucking works. Uh, and, and I mean, there's a reason people, you know, are talking about this uh, movie so much in regards to Adam Sandler. It's it it is it's a fucking powerhouse performance. Like this movie sort of lives and dies on whether or not you can give enough of a shit about this guy. Yeah. And even though he's he's loud and obnoxious and he's not a good person, but you still there's still enough there that you want him to succeed. You want him to get his life around uh uh, uh turned around. Right. He he's he's a, playing an addict. He he has Exactly. That's this that's addiction one to to gambling. Yeah, um, to gambling, I think to to just sort of thrill seeking, right? Uh, which is a general. large part of what the addiction to gambling uh, uh, fulfills is sort yeah. of a, uh, a thrill. Because it's not, for the most it, part, it's not straight up like I'm going to bet it all on black. I mean, there are definitely uh, that that does happen, moments. but uh, yeah, uh, but it's it's more just like I'm gambling with my interpersonal relationships i'm mm-hmm. gambling with you know will my wife put up with this uh i'm i'm gambling with this mistress like uh, it's right. all a gamble to him it's not just it's not strictly uh, is on the nose as like a, a casino uh right 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 and it, it also it kind of shows that like the chaos of his life is sort of by design it's not just yes. that he's in these unfortunate situations. It's that he creates these situations because, to some extent, he's addicted to the score. to that 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 sort of chaos. He he he's yeah. a he's a, a crisis addict, and yeah yeah he you know he's he's changing money and in uh, into the and, and tens of high, thousands, and that high of like. I pulled this off. Like I, right. I managed to make this work. It, it's not just the chaos; it's the settling from the chaos. And so he has right. to create more chaos. You know, once he he succeeds, he's gotta he's gotta up the stakes. He's gotta. And, yeah. Uh, it's a really interesting character. A really interesting performance a lot mm-hmm. of this movie's dialogue is sort of shouted at you um right there's right not a well, lot I, of i kind of want to talk about that a little bit because i, I yes ob- obviously the takeaway is adam sandler and his performance and that's what a lot of people are going to be talking about but i think the Safi brothers do a really really good job directing all of this too especially because the movie is so kinetic like well in yeah every single shot the camera's always moving, or the characters in the shot are always moving from place to place. There's actually one scene that's sort of calm, and it's late. Mm. It's uh, at the uh, the Seder dinner, um, uh, right after when oh. him and his his family are uh, are uh, just watching TV, sitting calmly, yeah. and. Um, and he's his like brother in law or whatever is there, and and he's involved with the loan sharks that are eventually going to come and try and like get all this money from him or you know, break his legs or whatever. Um, and uh, but usually throughout most of the film, it's either the cameras moving a ton, the editing is like this kind of like fast hip hop editing, mm-hmm. or the characters are are moving all over the frame, or in the case of dialogue, it has this kind of Altman esque. Um, everybody's kind of talking over each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was kind of jarring the first few minutes. It's a bit of a, it's, it's a bit of a marathon watching this. Like I felt stressed. Yeah. 
Oh, to- but it's, it's so intentional. Like, it, yeah. I mean, the, the Safties are making you feel what this character feels. and Yes, and very it, effectively. It, 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 and you can get that sort of adrenaline high from him. And that, and that mm-hmm. they do that really well. They Like you said, they orchestrate this chaos in ways that are completely intentional and... Um, considering is it so is this like their second full length feature? I think they like, maybe had a few. I'm looking at uh their stuff right now. Um I mean it's the, a the good really... time was their big was their big uh film that they got a lot of attention. Um, it's really uh, uh, impressive how how well they do what they're doing. Yeah, um, they also did a film with- in 2014 called Heaven Knows Best. They've worked a lot with rappers. I'm looking. I'm seeing that. Um, okay. Well, I mean, so, the, the weekend is in this. Yes, playing himself <laughs> as well. Um, and this yeah, is a, yeah. a period piece. This actually like takes place in like 2012 or something like that. Or, yeah, which was really uh, yeah. That to me was a really interesting choice because they. It, it is a period piece, and you think 2012 is not that long ago, but like when you're looking at this movie, it looks like 2012. It's, we- yeah. it's weird. In that uh, sense, it kind of reminded me of Hustlers, a movie we saw earlier this year, which was also like a yeah. recent period piece. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie, but man, this movie is stressful. It yeah. is a panic attack set to film. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, if... So to me, that's I view that as a success. And I can see why, you know... Some people, especially Adam Sandler fans, might not be into this uh, because it's a very different tone than anything he's done before. Yeah, to some extent. Yeah, I think if you're if you've been on board, if you've seen the stuff, you know, like a uh, like a Punch Drunk Lover or whatever, then this shouldn't be too big of a shock. But. But yeah, I think that the, is the totally film experience. Different. Well, yeah, the tone and the filmmaking is very different. But but I think as a film experience, this is um, a little bit more on genre than his other like serious roles. Uh, oh yeah, I mean it, this is a straight. It, it is a crime thriller. Like yeah, it isn't. Uh, you know, whereas Punch Drunk Love is pretty art house. Funny people is is. You know, it's still a comedy. Dramedy. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's a dark dramedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is straight up, you know, this is well within the crime thriller genre. Yeah. Um, in, in some ways, it kind of like the character, not necessarily the tone or the, the way it moves, uh, but the character kind of reminded me of uh, Harvey Keitel's Bad Lieutenant, where, he, oh, where you said he's, he's kind of a bad dude, and you're mm. watching him do bad things throughout the whole movie, but you do have a sympathy for him. And you yeah. know where why it's happening and where it's coming from, and there's this like internal guilt that's always there. Yeah, and you you strangely want things to work out for him. And, yeah, and uh, then as far as the depiction of addiction of gambling addiction, it reminded me a little bit of like you know something like Panic in Needle Park. Just you know, instead of heroin, it's it's this other thing. Um, mm. But yeah, I thought this was fucking great. Like oh, I, yeah. I was and, by the end with the by the the time it ended and I was able to kind of like, you know, process it, process it because it's, it's definitely You're, a shock to your system. Yeah, I was I just was like, still, Whoa, I got my money's worth out of that film. Right. I, I was still catching up with this movie for hours afterwards. Yeah. Just sort of like mulling it over and, and just still sort of feeling it. And, and yeah. man, it is one of the craziest 
most intense endings of a movie I've ever seen. It is... Yeah. It is fucking, like... It, it does not disappoint. There, because there, yeah. you know, there's a, there's almost a saturation point in the movie, and and that's another thing talking about the direction, mm-hmm. is the Safties, they know when to pull the tension back enough. Mm-hmm. They know when to give you just enough of a breath of fresh air, um, uh, because you know if it's just tension, tension, tension through the whole thing, it can't withstand that. Uh, yeah. And they still are able to ratchet it up to this insane climax that Mm -hmm. just, like, had my heart jumping out of my chest. And every once Uh, in a while, like, you see, like, how he's able to do things. And you're like, you know, he oh, how is he going to get out of this one? And then when he does, you're like, oh, okay. Like, well, now we're on to the next thing. Like, yeah, it's also and it seems quite believable. Also, I think, uh, you know, we, we're talking a lot about Adam Sandler because obviously this is a huge, like, star moment for him yeah. uh, in ways that he hasn't had in the past. But uh, Supporting cast I is also great. think, yeah, uh, like, Julia Fox, his mistress, is so good. Yeah. Uh, and, and she could, like, the character could be really one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they give her character a lot to sort of hang on to. Um, Adina Menzel uh, has a smaller role as his wife. Yeah, she's um, great. And she's, you know, she's known more for Broadway and these, you know, like her vocals, her singing. Um, and this is a really restrained performance for her that's fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield is amazing as always. Yeah, and I forgot to bring him up. He plays sort of the the man who brings these celebrities and the people from the rap world, or people from the uh, from the sports world, into his store and kind of you know helps him make all his money. Yeah, so, um, uh, Eric Bogosian, like, so good. Where did they take him up from? I he hasn't done anything in forever, but man, he's good. Uh, him and his heavies, uh, yeah, the guys who play his heavies, uh, Judd Hirsch. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just like a, a, such a great supporting cast um, that, you know, and, they, and all of these people are just kind of like whirling around this character. Like, you know, uh, they, they're yeah. only they're only in the movie, like really fast little brief little moments, but they make a huge impact. Like I was thinking about look at the way Lakeith Stanfield is utilized here with a whole lot less screen time than mm-hmm. he was in Knives Out, where we liked the movie, but we both agreed he was pretty much wasted in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that all the supporting characters fill the screen when they're there. Yeah. And, you know, and again, and, you, and they imply an like entire some, life behind them when when they're on screen. Exactly. And like and like we said with Sandler's performance, like the movie doesn't work if you're not also invested in this world that he's mm-hmm. sort of created for himself, even though it's a weird world. Uh, you don't want it to come crashing down. Right. Uh, you're kind of rooting yeah. for him to. To get, you know, uh, he needs that $10,000 to pay off this guy or, you know, we he, we know that he has X amount. Like, there's a constant ticking clock element to the movie. Exactly. And and all of it, I think, just makes it work. And it makes his performance better. Uh, yeah. I just, we talked a lot about him and and um, I just felt like we got had to mention everybody. Even The weekend has a yeah. small part, but he's great in it as well. Right. Uh uh, just, yeah, I thought this was, 
I was floored by this. I thought it was a really cool movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice sort of surprise to end the year with. Yeah, and apparently it's doing pretty well. Like, as far as a film of its size, it's making good money. Um, and by people who normally don't see these kinds of movies because of the Sandler connection. So that's mm-hmm. cool, too. And I think that even if you are like a happy Madison kind of Sandler guy, I think if you end up walking into this not knowing what it is, it's going to, I think it's pretty hard for you to not appreciate the level of skill and, and, uh, 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 filmmaking going on here. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's a cool movie. <laughs> I yeah. really dug it. I liked it uh, a lot. All right. Let's uh, let's give it a letter grade and, and move on. I'm giving it an A. I mean, I don't know why I wouldn't. Yeah, me too. I'm giving it a. a I almost. I kind of want to give it an A plus. Even like I, it just. Yeah. It, it, if we're talking, I think this movie may have affected me more than just about anything I saw this year, uh, except maybe like Jojo Rabbit. Like it. Yeah. I just left the theater and I just couldn't stop thinking about. This movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It sticks with you. Um, all right, cool. Well, that is the show. We're not going to be doing our, uh, the Irishman this week, but we will next week. And uh, if anybody has anything to say about any of the movies we talked about here, you know, Star Wars opinions, um, whatever, MacGuffinPod at gmail.com. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MacGuffinPod. And you can also follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MacGuffinPod, where I post those uh, questions to the audience, as well as the episodes when they go up, some news stories that we may or may not cover um, between episodes. So there's that. You can also follow me individually on Twitter at VC Cassidy, and I just started a new Instagram account where I'm showing my record collection at VC Cassidy. Um, be sure to follow us uh, or to give us a star rating and a one sentence review on iTunes or Stitcher or um, I, we're also on Pocket Cast and Player.fm. I don't know if they have a review function, but if they do, do that. Um, and uh, I think that's pretty much it for me. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Keith Foster Kid. Um, you can also follow my art account uh, at Sticky Note Aesthetic. Um, I haven't posted anything in a little bit, but I'll, I keep it updated every once in a while. And you can go to my website, www.keithfosterkid.com. Um, yep, and that is the episode. This is me. This is how I win. That's my favorite line from Star Wars. <laughs>